1: Uh,
2: uh, uh,
0: Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, John Crane. We had to go to the phone today, folks, because it was a bit of a train wreck getting him hooked into Skype. We had multiple guests, but he's still here. John, how you doing?
3: I'm doing good. I'm doing, you know, we, during this whole time, we watched the Angels drop the last game in Texas. So we won one of four. But other than that, I mean, that's about on par for the way the season's been going for us. Yeah, oh. and, uh, but otherwise, I'm doing great.
0: And all, all by the way, last inning losses. Actually, during our segment in here, you're going to hear us say, "Oh, by the way, the Angels just lost." Because we're flipping the recording around. We had a different plan. This is going to be unusual for what we do because we usually have things segmented out in about an hour of a podcast. But then we, what we did was we just kept going because it became a pretty, I think, deep baseball conversation and getting. Really, at the root of some of the concerns we have about the, the Angels franchise, about some of the questions we have, and where it's going.
3: Well, uh, this is this is exactly what the, the kind of interview we we need to have on occasion. We need to bring the, the the real skeptics, the Twitter skeptics, the the Facebook skeptics, the whatever who are just saying, you know, fire Upler, fire you know, trade uh, sell Moreno, Moreno sell, you know, trade Upton, trade Kettle Cole Calhoun. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have them on and, and let them actually say that in a forum, in a, in a debate forum. And that's what we did tonight.
0: So you have to part the original plan, which we were going to cover the Rangers series and Griffin Canning going on the injured list again, which is a concern for us. But in the end, we're going to have to push those things back to Sunday and Really give you a chance to listen to this conversation. It gets into a lot of things. It's a long one, though, guys. It's an hour and a half, so you're going to pick it in chunks and really get into what the heck is going on with this team. Listen to the skeptics. Mike, Steph, and Tyler Andrews are the fans that run Angels Nation 27, and a lot of times are regarded as kind of the trolls. <laughs> but we wanted to come in and talk about coming to in your grievances. Let's talk about this team, what the problems were, and and see if we can reach some kind of understanding. So that's what we do. Before we do, we are a newer podcast. We do want to say, hey, thank you for going over to Apple Music and subscribing and leaving a review. We had that contest recently. If you could keep doing that, though, leave a review. we really appreciate it. You can email us at talkinghealsgmail.com. Give your feedback. Really, and spread the word. We really just want you to spread the word if, if you think that we're doing a good job. We just really appreciate it overall. Okay, John, you ready for this thing? I'm ready. All right. So here is our long form podcast, very rare for us to do a long form show with Mike Steph, Tyler Andrews, the guys who run Angels, Angels, Nation 27 on Twitter, to give their airing of the grievances, and this is basically our debate. And by the way, I, I shut out John. I'm sorry, John. My bad.
3: Let's we go. get ready to rumble.
0: <laughs> here we go. Check it out. <laughs> All right, guys, here for the next segment, we are continuing our series of reaching out to fans. We're calling it the the airing of grievances, getting in a little bit of the old Seinfeld thing. And with us today, we have Mike Steph and Tyler Andrews. They run the Twitter tag AngelsNation27. And these guys take a lot of heat. Um, They've been called, in many cases, the trolls (laughs) of uh, Angels Twitter. Uh, I've seen it numerous times, so it's really interesting now to get them on the call and actually give them a chance to really explain what their thoughts are, uh, what their grievances are, Uh, maybe have some debate, maybe not. This team is a a hair-raising team to watch. So, Mike, welcome to the show first. Can you give us a little information about you as a fan? You've been on before, but just a refresher. Can you tell people about you as an Angels fan?
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, So my name is Mike Steff. I run the Angels Nation 27 account. I was on a few weeks ago, but I'm glad to have a chance to come back on and um, talk more about my
0: thoughts about the team. Well, how long have you been a fan of the team?
2: Um, probably, I would say, the last 15 years.
0: Okay. All right. And Tyler, your first time on the show. Yeah. Welcome to Talking Halos. How are you doing?
4: Uh, good. Thank you. So Mike was on the show a couple weeks ago, but uh, I was actually busy with work that day when he told me he was going to appear, so today I was actually off. And then, uh, it just worked out perfect that I can come on to the show as well.
0: And how long have you been a fan for?
4: Uh, about the same time, about 15 years ago or two.
0: 15 years. So been a while. You you've been through a lot of the uh the fun stuff and then a lot of the the not so fun stuff. And John, you there? I'm here. You awake? <laughs> it's been a I long am. day. Okay. On my phone. So some of the things that you guys soon you want to talk about uh, were uh Eplers, Billy Eplers free agent decisions, and I just wanted to open the floor to you right now, and just, you know, what really is getting in your crawl about the free agent decisions that has been, have been made um, that are getting to the point now where you are really arguing now, is this probably time for ability to go? Last I checked, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Let's start with you, Mike.
2: So, I would say that the main issue we can all see is the starting pitching, and a big target Angels fans were looking for last offseason was Patrick Corbin, and he ended up signing, I believe, six years, $140 million. And a Angels reporter said that the Angels offered him just shy of $100 million, which means we weren't anywhere close to his asking price. So that kind of tells me, based on what we've seen since that taken over, that we aren't giving good offers to the quality starting pitching we need. And in essence, we're going after these kind of reclamation projects with one-year deals such as, you know, Matt Harvey, Trevor Cahill, and it seems to be regressing every season. And if we keep going down this path, I just don't see a real way we can move into contention if we keep going like this.
0: Now you're talking about the offer for him. Do you know how many years that was for?
2: I do not know.
0: They offered 100 million for, okay.
2: So I know it was Mike Mike DiGiovanna, I believe, and he said the Angels offered him just shy of 100 million, but I'm not sure what the years were.
0: The years do matter, I mean, if it's if it was five years at 100 million, then you're talking 20 million a year. That's a little more comparable to the six-year 140 because that, that's what teams want. The players generally want a six-year in many cases. That may be part of it. They may be concerned in terms of age and so on and so forth about that. What about the other signings? That can't be the only one. What else is really on your mind?
2: You mean as far as who we signed or who we could have signed? Like, what are you asking about?
0: Well, I mean, because it can't be the only free agent decision that irked you was that missing out on Patrick oh, right. Corbin. So, I mean, this, is, right, this right. is numerous years here. Well, I mean,
2: of- there's there's multiple starters you can go down the line and look at, like Wade Miley, Jake Odorizzi. Like not just this year, you can go back. I can, you know, look more in depth at who we missed out on exactly. And not only that, but when you're spending, you know, 106 million on Justin Upton and 38 million on Zach Cozart, and obviously it hasn't been what we hoped. You wish we could have, you know, saved that money, used it to fix our pitching staff, and that's you know what's really disappointing as far as I'm concerned.
0: Tyler.
4: No, um I agree with what like, with uh with what Mike's saying. It's just uh you know, just that, like I just think if you look at our outfield, we all know that, you know, Mike Trout totally deserves that like, contract he just got this past off season. And, you know, up in, you know, the same thing with that huge deal he got. And then Cole Calhoun is also making, I believe, ten and a half million this year, and then his player option is, you know, fourteen next season. And I just think that, you know, that's a lot of money like allocated to just three players on the roster. And I just think that, like, um, if you look at our payroll, like, our those three combined is almost, uh, you know, comparable to, like, the Tampa Bay total payroll. And, you know, obviously they're very good. I mean, considering, you know, the amount of money that the owner gives them to spend on a team and, you know, they're on a, I believe, that you know, they're in the wild card right now. And just, you know, just frustrating that, you know, I mean, obviously we haven't gone over the over the luxury tax, but, like, we've come pretty close to it and just the team that we've been able to put out on the field, you know, hasn't been good. Can, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, so, because I just want to clarify, too, your your guys' issue is with osmus Epler, and Artie Moreno, or just Epler? Oh, I mean, if you go back into, the you know, the past, like, the early 2010s about how Artie, you know, he was the one that wanted Josh Hamilton. Uh, he was the one that was, like, you know, controlling DePoto's, like, big decisions. I mean, again, I don't know how much exactly... Like, I just know that for sure Artie was confirmed on that to the one who wanted Hamilton. And, again, you know, I'm pretty sure that, like, uh, you know, he he learned from his mistakes. And then, so, basically, when he hired Billy, I came to the understanding that he gave, you know, Billy free reigns now, that he's not holding over, like, decisions too much over, like, what the GM wants. And that's my issue. Because, again, we all know that we all... Like, all the Angel fans can agree that, you know, DePoto definitely wasn't a good GM. You know, he's done a lot of, you know, weird trades that none of us understand. And, you know, looking back, they're horrible decisions. And just got like, we all thought, you know, Billy Epler was going to be our savior. And we could, and just, I haven't seen it.
3: Well, that's, the reason I asked that question was because there's a lot of, Anger and a lot of Artie sell the team. Artie sell the team. Artie sell the team. And I honestly haven't like like because I was going back to the point you made about Tampa Bay and how little money they have to spend. Artie, I have I have not been aware of an offer that Artie's declined. Like where Epler, I mean, maybe it hasn't been reported and I don't know, but I just don't. We know that Artie will throw money and he, and he's thrown money at that. He's thrown money. He's thrown bad money. We know that too. We're experiencing it right now. So I guess, you know, I mean, the Epler conversation, I understand people's frustrations with Epler. I, I get a little confused on the Artie Moreno thing, the, him selling the team because he's not a cheap owner. Now we may not be over the salary cap, but, um, but you know, but, but he's not an, an owner who will say I won't pay, you know, obviously just paid my trout. Uh, and, and we have some contracts that he way overpaid on. So, I just think people that are saying that Artie doesn't want to win. I do think, to some extent, that Artie did what you said. He hired Epler and basically, uh, you know, said you you make the you make the big decisions and come to me. And so, you know, so I can see, you know, your point. I can see some frustration with Epler, but I still think it's a little early. I don't know.
2: No, I, I understand.
0: I mean, well, oh, sorry, isn't, go ahead. isn't the big question though concerning Epler is how much time should he have? You know, how much t- time do you really need to take to rebuild the club? And that's a conversation I've, in the last couple of days, really be reaching out to, you know, a couple of people who are close to the organization and talking with them as to uh, what it really means for him to, to do a rebuild the way he's had to do a rebuild. But honestly, I'm seeing on the flip side that folks who are like, you guys are saying, well, this is, the rebuild has been, this will be year five coming up and, you we still have a minor league system with flaws. We can Nobody here will deny that the minor league system is flawed. It's got flaws. And yet, for agency being what it is, how could you miss out on a guy like Corbyn and so on and so forth? I guess my, my question is, given the fact, and if you talk to anybody within the industry, you cannot. You just, as much as you want to. I mean, I advocated for it, actually. I wrote an article for it two months. Oh, not even two months, like a month. I think it was a month. John, was it a month on Trout? I argued, oh, that, yeah. uh-huh. I, I argued the Angels should trade Trout. I didn't believe that it would get the extension done. I argued they should trade him before just July, get your bank, get what you can for him in terms of just massive return. And then, of course, three weeks later, they resign him. There was no way other than that I could ever advocate for that because you're you're talking like the equivalent of a Babe Ruth from Boston to New York thing. I mean, that's the kind of thing it would be this. That's what Trout would be. The value that you would be giving up would not be equal to what you're getting, and you would always be remembered as a team that traded Mike Trout. There was no way they could ever do it. So, with all that in mind, how can you possibly rebuild knowing that you can't trade the game's best player, Tyler?
4: I, I know what you mean. I actually was on the board for trading Mike Trout because you know we all like knew that Joe Dell was you know like when he was drafted you know he was hopefully going to be ready you know end of 2019 or 2020. And you know we also drafted Brandon Marsh, and then um, you know we just like thought like you know, when they drafted all these outfielders that they were going to planning on trading Trout, um, you know, before his contract was up, And, yeah, I, I do agree That's that, like, obviously that him resigning definitely did, like, hurt, like, their chances of, like, properly rebuilding. But at the same time, if you're going to keep him, they have to have a, you know, they actually they have to have a plan both ways, you know, whether he wanted to resign, because obviously if you ask him to resign them, you know, they have to say yes if they're willing to throw the money
0: Well, you you don't think they did.
3: He he indicated he wanted to sign. He said he, he, in fact, he indicated he was never going to. He never wasn't was not going to sign after he signed. And I look at I look at this in comparison. I mean, I just think it's nuts to even consider not signing Mike Trout. And based on what you just said before, you know, again, you're you're trading. You're trading has what could could go down as the greatest player to ever play the game, and. No matter, you know, I I go back to Dallas back in the You guys, I think you guys might be old enough to remember when Dallas traded Herschel Walker and got a whole bunch of things and and ended up rolling off a couple Super Bowls from that. Um, But that, Mm -hmm. you know, Herschel Walker was great potential and he had a great career, but he's not the greatest football player to ever play in the NFL. And I just, I think even considering trading Mike Trout for anything is just Silly. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not calling anybody who thinks that silly. I'm just think I just can't imagine doing that. That haunt us forever.
4: As a fan, no, I, I understand, but just like at the same time, you know, in in football, and you know, back in the day, that like running backs, you know, were valued at time and you know, I just like you know, just in baseball, it's it's a lot harder because you definitely need it. You know, a whole 25 man roster. Like, not one person can carry the team. unfortunately even if Trout hit a home run every at bat, it just. If we're still giving up, you know, six runs, and you know, it just you know, not scoring otherwise, you know, it would still be a struggle, and that's that's why I think like, you know, baseball is definitely like probably the hardest sport to build a complete roster because, you know, everything is dependent on each other to be a successful team. It's not just like basketball and like LeBron dominating. It you know, it's very hard, and you know, I just think that like, you need to have like a really good GM, and I don't think that. I mean, I don't think Epley's been the worst GM, but I, d- I definitely don't think that he's been, like, the, like, the GM the Angels need.
0: Well, well, well what do they I need? That's my question. What do they need? What do they need to solve the problem?
4: Um, I think, first, they need to decline uh, Calhoun's option this offseason because that'll free up, you know, $14 million, Well, thirteen including the $1 million buyout. I just think that, you know, Garrett Cole needs to be like he needs I I think the Angels to be competitive in twenty twenty need to absolutely like go all in on Cole. I think if they miss out on him, I just think it's another thing average here next season.
0: But you're not answering the question. See everybody and their brother knows that the Angels need to go out there and get Garrett Cole. Okay. And here's the 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 facts on Corbin. Corbin was pursued by the Angels, but they had conditions for him because he has risk factors. He's already 30 years old. They were not going to go for a certain age. So, for him, it was going to be either, you know, they were going to go beyond four years or they were going to go beyond $100 million. So, that kind of falls in line with the idea of a dollar amount and a year amount, where the Nationals were the team that was the, the offhand. The Nationals were the ones who were willing to give him more of what he wanted, i.e. the six years. Now, having talked to two sources yesterday, um, the Angels would have to be willing to take that risk when it comes to Cole because they believe he's also going to want the extra year. And if so, they're not going to get him for four years. They're going to have to go five or six. So there's the difference. How do they value Corbin to where they had set a boundary? We're going to go four years or $100 million based on the years. What are you willing to do? And you have to also gotta look back to past Angels pitchers who have gotten into their 30s, 33, 34, 35, and they're breaking down and you're paying them big money on the, when it happens. C.J. Wilson misses his last season and change with a rotator cuff, breaks down. We saw Jared Weaver's career collapse the way it did. So the Angels, in many ways here, are being smart to not throw money at somebody and lock them down where they have in the past for an arm that may just fall apart. I, I can't blame them for oh. being careful on Corbin. But there were red flags there. We're going to have to take. Well, you are, but is going to have to take. But okay, well, hey, is Corbin that guy or is Cole that guy? Because obviously, many teams across the league felt that Corbin was not that guy because the only team willing to do what they did was Washington, right? So you had twenty-nine GMs who were not willing to do that. You had one GM that was. So, is are all twenty-nine of those GMs wrong?
4: Not necessarily, but you know, just just a, just a uh, magnitude of that deal. Only about half the teams could even afford that.
1: Okay, but even it's so, but like, that, I'm
4: sure let's go. That Bay would love
0: him. Oh, sure. Well, 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 no, they don't. They they don't need them. They got pitching, <laughs> but you have. But, but if you want, if you want to cut it in half, you still have 14 right
3: GMs. What? I mean, this whole season has been setting up for the off season. I mean, the, all the one year contracts. You even mentioned Cole Calhoun. I mean, I've been an advocate of yeah, you know, trading or getting what we could get for Cole Calhoun. I guess even if we just don't pick up his option, that that straight frees us up cap space. I guess it frees us up money. We're correct.
0: Well, there's going to be there's a ton of money coming off the books this offseason. So in terms of in terms of what the Angels have the ability to do, and well, here's the, here you go. You have a Corbin this year, nine and five three thirty four ERA. Um, 180 strikeouts, 153 innings. He's 30 years old. Those are good numbers, great numbers, but let's just say the Angels look at this, and they see, well, do I want to invest? We probably are not going to pay massive amounts of money to two pitchers. We'll probably go after one hardcore. So if they see Corbin there, and they know Cole's coming up, and do they just take the flyer in a guy who they saw had red flags on, or do they... Or are they going to choose to go hardcore for the guy they want? And every indicator we're seeing is they, they to, want Cole.
3: Are they going to sign a bunch of one-year contracts Set them up, self up. I mean, it's, it never really occurred to me. I mean, this is could be. You know, we've always thought that there's a plan. There's obviously the plan is set up for this next year, not for this year, with all the contracts that we have. And and so let me ask you this: so we have a rotation with Garrett Cole, Shohei Otani, and um, Andrew Heaney. Leading that, that uh, rotation, are we are we a playoff team?
2: No. I don't think we are. Definitely not.
3: What, what else do we need?
2: Well, in addition to must-having Cole, you need to go out and get a second guy like probably a Zach Wheeler or Jake Odorezzi, someone you can slide into the three or four spot in the rotation.
0: That's probably affordable for them, too. But, here's, but yeah, yeah. going back, because this is where I was going, because I asked you guys, though, you, you have the issue with Billy Epler. And I say, well, you want a GM who will do this. Well, you want a GM who will do this. Okay. And then I, you just went right away into, well, they should sign this person. And nobody is contesting the, the need to go after Cole. They're going to have to spend massive amounts of money, and everything this being reported is the angels are preparing to do that. So it's kind of like if you're unhappy with Epler, that's fine. But any, th- it, all the signs are pointing in that direction. They're going to go for him and they're going to go hard for him. So what else? I mean, what's, that's kind of what different? we've
2: been saying for the last few years, though.
0: Well, you got to understand something, though. Okay. In the last four years. Was you going after that ace four years ago going to matter when you were trying to pull off payroll when you had no farm system behind the guy? So you can go out there and pay in 2016 $100 plus million plus to a guy, but you have no farm system beneath you. You had a major league roster with, with talent and nothing beneath you. So if you have your two injuries really from your season being wrecked because you have no death behind you, that's what he has to think about. That's why you don't pay that much. That's the, we got into this big debate earlier this year with, how is it, Jason Reed from a Dodger guy, really, a Dodger guy trying to tell us how we should spend money for the Angels. And he's like, well, you guys are a, 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 a big market team. Okay, you guys should be spending up to the luxury tax. Well, that's not how it works. You, you spend the luxury tax, and then you're at the tax. What if you don't have all the pieces in the chessboard ready to spend the luxury tax? So, what if your year with everything you're putting in order is not this year, but it's next year? So, in this case, you were willing to take a risk to a degree if you can get Corbin at a certain price. But you weren't willing to go that because you weren't willing to go for that guy because you have had those red flags. But for Cole, he's that much better. And as good as, I mean, Corbin, 9 and 5, 334, uh, 117 whip, a 4.2 war. He's good, but how does he compare to Cole?
2: But that's the question you have to ask is, uh, is Epler going to go out and give Cole a seven- or eight-year deal in the $250 million range like, you know, the Yankees probably will give him not for close to that. So we're going to be bidding against the Yankees, the Dodgers, to give Cole maybe an eight-year contract. And I just don't expect Epler to actually go out and give him that much money.
0: What I'm hearing... On Cole is it, the, the going rate will probably need to be a six years for him. That's what we're hearing.
3: But but aren't there aren't there red flags? I mean, aren't there things that? I mean, really, this is an Orange County guy. They did bring over Stasi, who was his catcher in Houston, and everybody's ripping on the on the, on the Angels at Epler for bringing over Stasi. Well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of behind the scenes thing that we don't know. I mean, Stassi could be part of the key to getting. Uh, Cole to our, you know, to the team, and yet, you know, everybody's just focusing on Epler. What a dummy! Why did they do this? Why did you do that? I can't. I see this whole season early on. Early on, I was, I was, you know, I was skeptical. But as I'm seeing it going on, I kind of lowered my expectations that we're not going to win this season. I really do see a pattern of they are going to go big, They're, and 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 on one and yeah, most two two pitchers. Because if they don't, me and Derek are going to be. Just as negative,
0: it's not more negative than you guys uh, on Facebook. Gonna, I assure be, you of that. It'll be because brutal.
3: We're not going to do another year of podcast. but I said. if you change your mind? Are you still with me? We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna go uh, hard. Uh, it'll be
0: brutal. It's because <laughs> well, because you have everything stuff to, to do. It's like what well, you've been spending the last year. You so you you swing and miss on those three free agent pitchers last year. You, you go with Allen and Harvey and Cahill guys you think can can hold for one year, and uh, yeah, Cahill blew the game tonight night for that matter. And so that's three out of four They lose to Texas and all of them late losses. You're hoping because you believe that when you pull those guys off and you get rid of a couple guys off, all of a sudden you have the money to really pull in who you need to pull in. Well, if they don't do it this year, after you've done all that, after you've gone through all the the squirreling away of having extra cash and then they don't spend it. Oh my gosh! It won't just be you guys complaining; it'll be us complaining. It'll be pretty much everybody going, "What are you doing over there?" Because now you actually have the money to do something, and you didn't do it. You didn't do it.
4: No, I, I well, Yeah, but the, my biggest concern with Epler has always been, you know, about the farm system as well. I mean, all all season when people were telling me it's still early. You know, not twenty nineteen. Like you said, it's a transition year. And you're gonna see the young guys play, and you know none of the guys they brought up have not, like none of them have been bright spots in my opinion. Because I mean, last season we had David Fletcher, you know, and people, you know, were on, you were getting angry at Socher. you know, why is he always sitting him? You know what I mean? And then this year, I don't, see, I haven't seen any of those players that like the young players that like I, I can see and, and say. You know, I want this guy playing. You know, whenever he can. You know, I, I just I haven't seen that.
0: You you don't think Renhefo and Canning have been bright spots this year? I mean, I think Renhefo's been solid, but like for he's I mean, just, he's had already I think eleven
4: errors already on defense, and that to me is really concerning. Well, he's I mean, he's been I again mean, the two forty average, and you know I think it's like right underneath like a uh, like six eighty five like OPS, and just it's it's just like it's just like nothing spectacular. I mean, to me, it's just average. I mean, obviously, I think he'll do better, but it just Again, you know, no one has like, that major impact, in my opinion. That, but Tyler, none of those like guys were even supposed to be so. up this
0: year. None of them were supposed to be up this year. When he was called up because of an injury, none of those guys were supposed to be up this year. Not one of them. Canning was a guy they thought would be a mid-summer to late-summer guy. Maybe September. Not one of those other rookies was supposed to be up this year. Not one of them.
2: The reason we have to call right these guys right right
0: up before here. they're ready is because they're okay. trash players. Well, it's that's the point that I've been debating well, with you on. Is is that's actually valid in terms of the players you're bringing in? Aren't the players that, that that were able to pull through? But if you even go back to say Harvey last year, Harvey was nowhere near good. He was a four five five ERA in Cincinnati, which by the way is a hitter's park. Cahill had an under a four ERA last year. That's the one I don't blame them for. He just blew it up here. Allen, I do blame him for because Allen was showing signs for the last two years that he was a train wreck in the making. So how you can those are there's signs we can complain about there're signs you're wondering who else they could have gone after you're wondering all those things but in the end they didn't work out we're going to have opinions if they're bad signs or not but if you look at their numbers last year they weren't they weren't horrible they you could understand why the angels would say, okay, let's take a shot
3: well here's here's the thing for me as far as the GM goes because it's easy it's so easy to Monday morning quarterback I was when, when they signed up then at the end of the season as a pickup i was stoked and the guy with the guy I, I watched the guy get his uh, silver slugger award from the previous season in detroit and i mean who didn't want to resign I, I was shocked that he resigned with us i was so excited to have him you know resign with us for many for several years and now look so I mean, I think a lot of people were excited. The man was, yeah, the man got a silver slugger award uh, from his previous season and the end of the season with us. And now he's turned, now, you know, of course he's injured, he missed a season, but now everybody, you know, trade Upton, trade Upton. Unfortunately, he's got a large contract. He ain't going anywhere. But it's, it's there's hit and miss, but I don't know. I don't like Upton. I'm I'm sorry. But but were you excited when they signed Upton? Were you happy when
4: they re-signed him? Cause I I I liked the I liked where his deal was until they added like an extra season. I knew that extra season was was gonna be a, you know, I I just knew that he was already he was. I mean, when we got him, I know he was like a qualifier for the Gold Glove award, but we all saw when he did, even in the first half season, he was not good. He was pretty bad on defense. That isn't working. If he's kind of you know he's kind of like a a black hole on the team. Like when he's not.
0: Hitting. As we could talk about the fielding, but that's not why they signed him. They signed him for the bat. I mean, that's and he delivered up until his injury. That's what he was doing. He, he thirty home runs, eighty five RBIs. He was solid the year before. That's why they wanted to bring him back. He still considered him in an, in an age where he can hit for a couple more years. So you take the shot. I don't think you didn't sign. Him. I mean, you didn't sign him to go field baseballs as. That's why you went, and got, you went and got him for his bat. You wanted somebody in the center of the Olympic to offer protection yeah. for Otani and Trout. So that's what he was supposed to do. If he finishes up this year and then comes in next year and is a total train wreck again, then that signing becomes, it goes from being tolerable, understandable, to being, holy crap, they really missed that one. They blew that one. But it's not there yet. You get a turf toe injury, and turf toe will mess you up for a whole year.
2: But my question with Upton and giving him a five-year deal is, so you have Upton long-term in left field, Trout in the center, and then you still have Colin Wright, right, whether or not we decline his option. And then you have Joe Adele, who we figure is going to be the everyday right fielder probably by next season. And then you have guys like Brandon Marsh. You take Jordan Adams in the first round. So do you use these guys as trade bait? And if you say yes, then why didn't Nepler, the trade design, go out and get a guy like a Marcus Stroman or a Mike Miner, which would go a long ways in helping our rotation for next year, especially when these younger outfielders don't have a clear path to our major league team?
0: How do you know they didn't? How do you know they didn't try?
2: How do I know they didn't make an offer?
0: Oh, I, I can tell you they made an offer. They actually had a, tab- a trade at the table. It was they, they, they had trades there. They had guys they were willing to move. They have guys, and this is because they're following the Cubs strategy. The, the, the Cubs strategy is this. The Cubs went and got a whole bunch of hitters, and then they used those guys as trade bait. But the Angels have a problem. The Angels went and got guys like, like you said, Brandon Marsh. They went and got Jones. And all of these guys who are two-sport athletes who are raw have high ceilings if you develop them. And the Angels have to develop them. And right now, you have these guys, like Brandon Marsh is doing fine down there in the minors. He's going to be moving up. You have the other two, Jordan Adams has been okay. Uh, Jones has not been okay. He's been, he's had a rough year. And so you have to get these guys back on their path and get them where they need to be, where they become that trade bait you want them to be. Or does Brandon Marsh eventually take over out there? Because he may be the guy who eventually you push out, for example, Albert, which it's going to happen to. Gonna, something's going to happen to push him out. You, probably push out Upton out of the starting lineup and out in the outfield. He becomes a DH because you're not going to have – if Otani's pitching, he's not going to be hitting every day. He only hits for like two or three days during the week. So now all of a sudden Upton becomes one of your DHs. And in other cases, shifting out to give people days off. There's a lot of movement there that is – it's kind of framing up that people don't think about. That You're going to have more fluidity in terms of how that outfield works if – those guys, especially right now, Marsh keep developing. Marsh is developing. He's actually had a solid year, but it's not been what we would hope to be. It's still been a solid year, though. So the, the trade bait is there. It's, it, that's what they're doing. They're following the Cubs method. The Cubs method was develop the hitters, get your hitters, they become your trade bait for pitchers.
3: Look to the future. That's what we're doing. At least, and and, and it starts next year. We expect improvement next year, dramatic improvement.
0: But, but honestly, too, you know. We've talked about this. I think it's been, been my interactions with you, with you, Mike, going back and forth, and you've brought up this farm system, one of your big gripes that really has it outside of Joe Waddell. It hasn't developed that other star you want, right? That's, and I think it's a valid complaint. Is it not?
2: Well, especially when you look at our pitching prospects, and our number one before he was promoted was Jose Suarez. And while you know he was called up early, this probably won't be who he is for his career. I mean, it's not like it's promising when you're guaranteeing 2020 playoffs and you need a six-man rotation with Otani because if you're looking at who's going to be in the rotation next season, you need six guys. I'm just not sure that Suarez is you know, the guy that's going to help get us to the playoffs.
0: Well, your number one was actually Canning. Suarez well, that was,
2: was... That was a while back. Suarez was mean, more decent.
0: Well, Canning was came up he, when they entered the season and if the 100 rankings varied. It was, I know, the one I read today looking back because MLB.com drives me nuts. When they update their prospects, they update it literally and they don't keep the old ones posted so you don't know where people moved up and down. It drives me freaking nuts. So I found one. They had Canning at 65. They had they had four players the Angels at the end of the year in the top 100, six in the top 150. And Suarez is down there around 120. But Suarez, to me, was, is going to be the guy who's your project. He can be a four, or five, a long starter, or you can, if he can get a couple more miles per hour fastball, everything changes. But nobody really knows that. So I honestly agree with you that if you aren't developing these players for what's there, then where are the stars that you need? Well, you have a, a core. There's a young core here. But what, what else is left?
2: Right, and you're kind of just setting yourself up to be in a position where you have to go out and spend a ton of money on starting pitching and free agency. And if you don't, then this team doesn't have any shot at contention.
0: Yeah, and that's what the Cubs had to do. I mean, the Cubs went out there and, and they traded guys, they didn't sign guys, they got their World Series. That's, what they, that's how they built that World Series winner. That's how they've been competitive ever since. But it all began with the hitting, and it began also – if we look back, the one advantage all these teams had was the, the Astros were able to tear everything down. The, the Cubs were able to tear everything down. Now we're seeing Detroit tear down. We're seeing the, the Angels just were not willing to do that. They were not willing to do that to, to Trout. They weren't willing to basically send him away because they were never going to get back the value they were going to get for him. They could have they began a rebuild after 2015 and traded him then at his youngest peak, youngest age not peak, but youngest age, and got back this massive haul, and it still wouldn't have been enough value. So then Billy Upler's limited there. So what do you really do in order to get the proper rebuild you want? It's either going to be this long, slow, five, six, seven-year slog and trust your organization to develop people, or it's a Houston five-year where they trade everybody away to get prospects, and they rely on five straight years of drafting the top 10 and you still hope that everybody pans out and for them it did it's a difficult decision for any team to make it i'm not sure i can blame epler when he's told well, yeah we'll do a rebuild but i'm not trading you're not trading my trout you're not that's not happening you can't we're never going to do that to the fans you're not going to do that to my that's not happening so there is some blame there I,
3: I, well i think Epler. In we, we discussed that epler called it rebuilding on the fly He's yeah. not going to tank this team out, and but he's going to keep us, which, you know, I mean, it depends on what you define as competitive. We're, we're not going to make the playoffs, but we're, we're around 500. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, with, with an, a, a big offseason coming up, a big offseason coming up.
0: Todd, we haven't heard from you in a while, man. What what are your thoughts? here are hearing all this.
4: No, I mean, yeah, I mean, it just the shows like, I think that, like, when they were, like, really bad in drafting, they missed out on both Appel and Brady Aiken in back-to-back years. And, you know, obviously, and they were still, you know, relatively competitive even with, you know, losing two, you know, first overall picks. I mean, I just think that, like, the point is that, like, you miss, you know, guys dropping out, like, in the farm system that, you know, that used to be good, like, um, you know, Jam Jones. You know, I I just think that, like, the excuse is just, you know, it's, I hear this same sort of excuse every season, why like something didn't go right.
0: Well, th- what's the excuse? What's the excuse? Um,
4: I just think that like, you know, just like every season is just like about you know either about injuries or it's the manager or it's our GM or it's the owner. You know, I'm just and then it's like we don't have a farm system. Just, I don't see an easy way out.
0: Tyler, who's but who are the ones making those excuses? Who are the ones saying those things? Who are the ones talking about I've seen a lot of, the things you're talking about?
4: Well, I, I've just seen a lot of, like, you know, especially, like, Jeff Fletcher. You know, he's always, like, defending the team of, you know, why some decision didn't go right. You know, I, I, I think that, like, for all Angel fans, he's probably, like, the go-to guy for info. And I just, I, I just think it, like, irritates me, like, the most when I, you know. It, it's it's one thing if something didn't work, but just, to like, always defending every decision here and there, just, it just kind of irritates me a little bit.
2: And kind of going off of that, if you look at the Yankees this season, I mean, they have the best record in baseball. And you look down their roster, you know, Aaron Judge, Dede, Severino, they've had, like, their entire roster injured, and they're still in first place. And Angels, you know, lose Simmons for a month, and it's, oh, well, that's why we missed the playoffs. We had a couple guys hurt, and, you know, that's why next year is going to be better.
0: No one's, that, no one's saying that, dude. Mike, no one's saying that. Everybody mean? and their brother knows the reason why this team is not going to play is their pitching staff. Nobody's saying it's because of Simba getting hurt.
2: Well, that's just yeah. for this year. And No, that's what everyone says. Like, look at the past years when Heaney's hurt, right, in the pitching staff, and everyone has Tommy John, like Tropiano, J.C. Ramirez, Heaney. Those guys get hurt every single year, and they're like, oh, well, next year they're going to be healthy, and that's... How we're going to make the
0: playoffs? Let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask both of you a question. And it's actually, this is because a lot of this reminds me of. Because yeah, I'm older, I, I've I've been through. Oh my gosh! Oh man, uh, there are some memories. You're still young. I, I can't. You're I so know, young. right? But I, I feel like I'm aged here.
3: <laughs> compared to me, compared to um, me, you're still young. <laughs> watching
0: this team, there's how many of you guys have read the Tim Salmon's book? You read it? I I
4: personally have
0: it. Okay, there's a section in the book, and it, it reminds me a lot of now in so many ways. And what, it, what he talked about in the book is the years leading up to the World Series. One, the year before the World Series happened, they didn't really see it coming. There was all kinds of issues in the locker room. Uh, there was issues within... Just people were having a hard time. They had to fire, you know, fire people, get them out of there. You eventually hire your Socha, and it doesn't, it's not working right away anyways. It, but you, you pinpoint the main core problem with that franchise, and it had been the problem since the mid-'90s. You, you went out there and you had Tim Salmon, you had Jim Evans, you had Garrett Anderson, you had all these hitters. And the one thing that held that team back over, over, and over again was the fact that they did not have the pitching. And they quietly, under Bill Stoneman, Built pitching behind those hitters, and all of a sudden, when you come up in two thousand two, two thousand three, you, you have everybody ranging from, you know, your starting pitching, which was eh, it was all right. You had your ace, Jared washer for a while, and you, but the the back end, that bullpen was was lights out. Percival, Scott Shields Brendan Donnelly, and then you had a decent rotation. But they went and they pulled in that pitching and. I look at this team now and go, okay, you have the lineup. It's flawed. It is a flawed lineup, especially with the injuries out there because the injuries, the guys who were in the lineup two months ago weren't swinging and missing like the guys are in the lineup now. you got young guys who are going to strike out a lot against major league pitching. You had your older guys who have been there and done that and know how to hit major league pitching. You're going to have those problems. But the, still, the, the core problem, is it's just so much of a parallel, is that you have a lineup to win overall. You don't have the pitching to back it up. So Tim Salmon was actually quoted for that. You know, again, you you cannot win with triple A pitching. At the root of it, that is the Angels problem. Is and it is on the GM. It is on Epler. It is on the man in charge, Arnie Moreno, and they know it. They know it. There's no way they don't know it. The question is, right now, as you head into this offseason, and you have this chessboard and all the pieces are in place, do you say, F this, let's just fire Epler and get somebody else now to try and pick up where things are set and maybe change the chessboard? Or do you see what happens with Epler in this offseason with the money he finally has to do exactly what he wants to do? We're, we're going to find out real quick what kind of GM he is. Because this will actually be the first offseason season probably in his five years where he'll have the kind of money that he probably wants to have. So what do you do, Tyler? Do you say throw it all away, throw fire the guy, and, and let some, have somebody come in here and try and redo it? Or do you say give him this offseason, see what happens, and if he burns it to ground, then you, he, he's gone next offseason. What do you do?
4: Well, I mean, I really think personally that, like, uh, I believe that he had a... Like a option to like pick up his contract for next season, and I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't, you know, let him do the trade deadline if you know they had thoughts of you know letting him go this this off season. Uh,
0: but I that's mean, not I what I'm asking. I'm asking you: Do you no. fire him now? If you're the g, if you are the man in charge, are you so are you so ready to say, you know what, dude? I, you are you're not capable of doing this job. You have to go. I'm, I'm saying you're the owner right now. What do you do? I'm not worried about—I we, we. I think we all know he's going to be here for the whole offseason. We know he's got another year. I think at this point, you're right. They would have, If they were going to let him go, they would have let him go. They, they wouldn't have had him in charge with the trade deadline. So I'm asking you personally, are you at this point now where you're saying you need to fire Epler and hand over that chessboard to a new GM to go do whatever the heck you're going to do with it? That's what I'm asking you.
4: I, I think so personally that like he's not for it. I, again, I just I'm really scared that like you know Cole will not sign with the Angels, and I'm really scared of like the Plan B. And I just like I can't see him putting together a, a feasible Plan B to, to keep us competitive next season. I just I, I just I think that like you know this year Cam you know has been jojan has been really good. I think that you know we would have been fine if we were to trade you know another re- like a reliever this off season or trade Cole if Cole was the, you know, the one that is going to, if his option going to be declined next season, I just think that, like, you know, I know Fletcher was saying that um, that Dickerson was traded for, like, peanuts, basically. But, like, I just think that, like, some of the decisions he's made, I just don't think that this offseason will, will be that good as much as, like, everyone believes it to be.
0: Well, I don't, I don't think anybody believes it's going to be anything because we don't really know. I mean, the for well, Cole...
3: I, I, I just... Just, just, saying, I, I We're afraid of that too. We're afraid of them not signing Garrett yeah. Cole. We're or getting a couple, a couple premier free agents. I mean, if we get if we get Garrett Cole and one other, you know, premier pitcher, we have Griffin Canning, we have Andrew Heaney, um, we have Shohei Otani. There's five. Then you just fill in Suarez or, or Berea for the sixth spot. And I think that on paper, barring injuries, sorry, but <laughs> We're the Angels, and I know you mentioned that, but barring injuries, it's a pretty solid staff.
0: But that's also could be wishful thinking. I'm not ready to go and just say it's going to happen. What I'm really trying to get across is when I interact with you guys on social media, I get the impression that we think as fans that things are just going to happen. Like you mentioned Cole Calhoun. How do you know the Angels didn't try and trade Cole Calhoun before the deadline? How do you know they didn't try and move him? And that and a deal fell through or not? Do we just assume I mean,
4: that? I mean, is, yeah, I mean, with with all the injuries, like you said, like injuries happen across the MLB. There is there is someone who's willing to trade for a guy. You know, I mean, again, he just he's like a. I think he's like an av- average, like an average hitter. I mean, he still plays solid defense, and you know, we've all seen it. There's no way that like with a team that has an opt out for like this offseason, there's no way that like a team wouldn't have you know would have. Wouldn't want to trade for him. I mean, again, I'm not saying the return has to be huge, but I just think that, like, you know, they could have got something in return. Well,
0: you got you got the name this way though. Let me, let me flip it back around. You just said all these things about him. Okay, he's a solid hitter. We could also he's a good fielder. Has a great arm in the outfield. He should be valuable for something. So if that's the case, if he has that value, and he don't get me wrong, he drives me nuts sometimes. He should be hitting for higher after he should not strike out as much as he does. But if he does have that value defensively for his arm, for his power, okay, that he brings into a lineup, then why wouldn't the Angels try and keep him a little bit longer, especially if they feel like Adele isn't ready coming out of spring training? Because we don't know that. Many folks who are watching this team right now believe he won't he's more of a May kind of guy, maybe even June. Or how do you know that they may want to have Adele kind of ease into things at the major league level. And therefore, you want to keep your keep Calhoun one more year. Because if he is all those things you talked about, a solid bat power-wise, if he has solid defense, we saw that diving play he made a few days ago, then he is more valuable than just trading for some mid- to low-level prospect at this point. No, but
2: I
4: don't think the new for him is really sensitive
0: What would you say? I'm sorry. What you say?
4: Right, sorry. Go ahead. Oh I yeah, mean, I was saying that his contract next season, you know, is really big for. You know, I, I mean, I would argue that Brian Goodwin's doing, you know, pretty similar to what he's doing. I mean, I think Brian Goodwin's bat is a little better, offensively probably, but his defense isn't that great. But he can also cover center field when if Mike Cobb gets hurt or needs a DH day. Cole Calhoun can't do that.
0: Cole Calhoun has more power than Brent, than Goodwin does. He's a better defender than. than by far than Goodwin is. And if you look at Goodwin's stats before this year.
4: Well
0: well, he doesn't need to because he can play right or left field, right? So you can move other people around. Uh, Brian Goodwin's stats heading into heading into this season. What do you think they were? What do you think he was getting? he's basically having his best year in the league, right? At two A two best hitting year as a full time player. By the way he's never been a full time player. Even a half time player was at age 26, 251, 13 home runs, at 278 bats. Well, I would
4: also argue that the Nationals outfield was pretty loaded. I mean, they had Harper, Soto, Robles, Eden. Like, they had a lot of players there. I mean, it was kind of hard for him to even get full-time anyway.
0: Okay, so then why didn't he last in Kansas City It's a rebuilding team?
4: Well, because he was was bad in in spring training, but he also did mention that he was working on things. And he said he even told them beforehand, like before he started doing it. But and they still thought he was, you know, worth being let go. Let like, go.
0: He was still there for 27 games in 2018. The, the Nationals still felt the need to let him go. Right? He was hitting 200 for them. He goes to Kansas City. His his 266. He's never had it on base percentage higher than than what three twenty one a season until this year. So, but what are you what are you saying though?
2: Because like, even if Adele isn't ready by the beginning of next season. Like, if we look at the rest of this season, we're obviously not making the playoffs. So just for the rest of this season, you can play Brian Goodwin in right field. And if you did look to trade Cole and get even a low-level prospect back, then, I mean, that's more than fine. And if you want to play Goodwin for a month to start next season before a doll's ready, that's fine. But I just don't think Cole pr- is bringing enough to the table where we can say that keeping him around for one month in the next season is better than looking to move him and get off his money.
0: Well, it depends on how you evaluate him. Because if you just go based off what we know alone, he's one of the better fielders in the league, one of the better arms in the league. He still hits for power at a solid level. He's not 40 years old yet. What's his downside? He just doesn't hit for average. So, that's his real downside. So that's my so,
2: question.
0: But, but that's what I'm trying to say. It depends on how you value him compared to what you have coming in next year. What I'm trying to say is, is A, how do you know the Angels didn't try and trade him? Because it sounds like you yeah, want well, the Angels to give him away is what it sounds like, and the Angels aren't going to give him away. He's too valuable to them. Especially, you have to think of there's other parts of the, of the of the piece as well. In my view, my part of the view would be, you may not, you may, you may want him there in that clubhouse just because of everything they've went through. And he's not worth giving up a low level prospect for that. There's that possibility, which who knows there's the, also the possibility of maybe they want him around next year. It's you're, you're coming up with these things, but in the end, what you're saying is, you're just give the guy away for a low-level prospect, but maybe he's more valuable to the team than that.
3: Derek, remember when we had Maria Torres on, and she's basically saying what you said, because we were talking about the the salary cap and where we're at, and, and she said just because you have space under the salary cap doesn't mean you have the money. And, and and you don't know what's going on. We really don't. She doesn't even know what's going on behind the scenes and the deals that they're making. So all this speculation, and I'm all for speculating. I mean, I want a better team, but a lot of what we're talking about is speculation that, Derek, you're, you're making the same point that Maria made, was that, you know, we don't know what they did. So... Um, and well, I, but I, mean, I do think we're going to know w- what they do, what they're going to do this off season. I think they're going to make it very loud and clear what they're doing this off season.
0: Well, I want to go back to Mike because he he his mid he was in mid thought there. Mike, go ahead and finish, please.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. What you're arguing is that Cole is too valuable to this team, so we should keep him next season. So, are you saying that we pick up his 14 million dollar option, or we take the one million buyout? and re-sign
0: him for less. Because that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we don't know how they valued him for the rest of the season, how they potentially value him as an option for next year, because they don't have to say yay or nay on that option right away. But at that deadline, with the movement that's going on, given all that's going on, Given what he is to their clubhouse, he might have that value to be there this year because they could always, in the off season, renew trade. They can always make some of those moves, or they can just deny the option. But you're talking about a low level pro. And what I'm really saying is, even if they, in this case, chose to keep him, that low level prospect. May not have been worth moving him right now if they felt they needed him in that clubhouse, but he may be worth moving in the, letting go in the off season to make room for somebody else. That's what I'm trying to say. We don't know how they're evaluating that clubhouse. There are more factors than just clearing cap space now because they could still clear that cap space for next year and still get what they need for him to finish this year. Because like it or not, Cole Calhoun is a, is kind of a rock in their clubhouse. And someone who is, who could work with a lot of those younger players that are coming up and working in the outfield and even working in the infield. He, there's value there right. that we, we have to consider. And all I'm saying is, so that's all I'm arguing is, is we are not in a position where we are to truly understand how much value he brings in their eyes. It could be possible by the way, that you're totally right and that they blew an opportunity to trade him. But everything I understand is that he is considered worth more to them than a low-level guy. It doesn't mean they won't let him go in the offseason. It just meant that right now at this very moment where they are, they weren't going to move him without an actual piece. And I I think what they're looking for, by the way, in pieces is they're looking for pitching and they're looking for pitching they can control. And I think they're looking for, honestly, because I think I was wrong. I, I think I argue with, I'm not sure who, if it was you, Tyler, or if it was you, Mike, and that I, I told you, I felt like it was the way I understood it was a five-year plan. And now that I'm looking at it and given more data, I think they are on a five-year plus mean. I think they're meant to compete next year. I think they're meant to do, to begin the process next year, but I don't think they're really, I don't think their timeline is really to be say a world series contender right away. I think they're, their timeline is is still two years away. Like they want to be in serious playoff contention next year, getting into the playoffs next year. But I think their timeline is longer, and because of that, I think they want pitchers they can control longer. Like you guys were talking about getting pitchers you can control at, to end this year and then like next year. That was the idea it was kind of put in the media. I don't think so. I think they're looking guys you control for three, four, five, six years that you can actually build a core around a pitching staff and not have to trade them. Because if you look at Houston, Houston's a great example of this. If you look at Houston, Houston's in trouble and people don't realize it because Houston built that team to win in that window. But in order to win that window long-term, you're going to have to move dudes. So they made trades in the past now for guys like Cole. They just made that trade for, for, for Grunky. But now they made this trade for Grunke where they're going to have to pay for him they're going to have to pay for Verlander. They're both over 35. There's no way they can afford to pay all three of those guys. And that's why Cole's not coming back. I don't believe he's back in Houston next year, even if he wanted to be. They can't afford to pay him. Do the Angels want to be in that position in a couple years where all of a sudden pitchers they went and picked up that they may not be able to control long term? Or do you want to try and move for players you can control six, seven years? And that's something I've really figured out. Just in the last few days, just, just kind of talking with some folks who are locked in. And I, I think I was wrong. I think I was I think I think was looking more here and now. I think in the end, they go for Garrett Cole. You solidify the front of the office, and you try and get younger guys in control. Longer than that, because you won't have Cole. Being what Cole is for six, seven years, you're going to have Cole at what he is for probably three or four years before he really begins to diminish. That's my theory. I could be wrong. I may be way wrong. I don't know. I mean... So, what are your thoughts here and everything we're talking about? Is there anything you guys want to close out with? This has gone longer than I thought it would, but that's okay. I told you guys time would not be a problem tonight.
4: I, I just, again, I just argue that, like, on a closing note, that, like, I just think that, like, everyone acts like, you know, Billy Epler's done, you know, wonders. And I mean, you know, he's had a few good trades. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's been, you know, the worst failure in the world. It's just so, like, you know, Mike Count's already, you know, yeah, I mean, I hate to admit it, but he's already, you know, about already getting up there in age, like, sooner or later. You know, we don't have, like, that long of a window as everyone thinks just because he signed a, you know, a huge contract extension. And I just think it's frustrating that, you know, you know, Mike Trout's putting out, you know, 300, you know, four hundred forty home run years. And then, I mean, I know he's only had, it you know, twice, but just it just frustrates me that, you know, the only thing that we have looked forward to at the end of the year is just, is Mike Trout going to win another MVP? And, you know, just... You
0: are very frustrated. I, mean, I don't blame you for that, dude. We're frustrated. You know, I don't I can't blame anybody for being frustrated. I can't blame anybody especially if you're people who watched the 2004, 2005, 2009, all those teams, 2012 and of course that Harp for 2014. You, you, who can who can blame anybody for being frustrated cuz you think this team, this franchise, especially when you have the best player in the game should be competing every year. And I think my case really is this when it comes to Epler. When Epler took over this team in 2015, and I don't know if you guys heard me on Locked On talking about it or even on this show talking about it, you had a roughly, I didn't take a whole count because I was counting the guys who were gone, but you have roughly about 270 people in your organization. 270 from top to bottom. 185 of those players that were in the Angels organization less than four years ago, are out of the game. That is how bad the Angels organization was in 2015. You had talent at the top in 2015. Guys like Trout, Pujols, Calhoun. Once you left the major league level, the minors were... You you had nothing. So when people evaluate Epler... It's easy to say, well, you only have right now, after the trade deadline and people graduate, you only, you're, you're at MLB.com, I think it was last was 22, maybe 21, 22, and you only have one player in the top 100. And you think, well, see, that's not really that great of a job. And that's a valid thing to point out, but my, my counter to that is this. If you look at what he started with, the fact that he was not able to sell off chips, He couldn't. Nobody wants Pujols' contract. You're not trading trout. You're limited in in, in terms of you're not gonna get a top five pick. You're just not because you're gonna win enough to be competitive. You're gonna have a slow crawl in depth. Then you're never gonna get everything right. There's no magic evaluator. So when I look at Epler, I look at overall in terms of the farm system, he's done a good job in finding guys who can contribute who built a foundation? Who can be trade chips? He's done a good job in basically getting enough in there to where you have a group at that AAA to major league level who can who can be contributors and keep you competitive now. And then you have your young guys who are coming up in rookie single A and single high who can make you who really are your big chippers. These are your guys who, if you develop them right, are going to be your stars. If they develop them right. Let me say it one more time because I even have doubts right now. If you develop them right, are going to be your stars. And that's why I'm, as a a minor league guy, and knowing how bereft that organization was, knowing you don't have five straight years of top five, top ten picks, I, I can... I can live with Epler. I can. I can I, he's done fine. He's done well. Has he done great? No. You don't have a whole lot of starting pitching, high level guys. You have, you have guys who can develop two, three. You're one guy who could be number one is Chris Rodriguez, and he's hurt. You have very little in terms of catchers in your system, and those are your signal callers. And so you have your gaps, and so when I evaluate him, I can't give him an A. And his seasons are. He's made some smart ones in terms of bullpen guys you got, Robles included. But there are the ones that didn't pan out, like Harvey and and Allen. So if you put it all together in perspective with what his limitations were, what he was allowed to do, he's done. He's done fine. He's he's done, admittedly better than I thought he would do considering uh, what we had before us. But that doesn't mean he's. I think also. You,
2: well, when you guys put out a poll on your um account, I believe when you said give Billy Uppler a grade for um his job since taking over the Angels um most people I believe said A or B like 70%, if that's right.
0: Uh it was a B. We have a, we had some A. Um I would go with a B B minus B. It's hard. It's. I know you guys are are down on them, and I would just say if you if you take the time to look at where they were. I mean that that number is devastating. When you have about two hundred and seventy people in your organization less than four years ago, and one hundred and eighty five of them are are not just other teams; they're out of the game. They're out of the game. That that tells you how bad it was. And with any prospect, whether they're you go out there and you think you have a guy like a Jemai Jones who can be that star but they're also kids and you never know which way a kid's going to go You've, you we've seen guys get drafted who we all thought were going to be stars and they blow up in the minors and they're done it's it is baseball drafting is not the NFL it's not the NBA it's it's <laughs> it's a crapshoot sometimes and for to me if you've been able to make this farm system competitive when you had nothing less than, four, less than four years ago, I can give him that B. And he doesn't get the A because of some of the free agency stuff I've seen. But he, I can give him a B in good conscience because I know he's done enough to where I can say, listen, this team, this, this farm system can jump quickly if a few things go right real quick. And honestly, the big problem that I see at the team right now isn't even the farm system, it's when these guys get to the majors. Okay, here's a question I want to ask you guys, I don't know if you've noticed. All those rookies that came up this year, overall, how did they perform? I'd say average. Average? Mike?
2: Yeah, I guess if you have to look at average, I would say uh, Canning, Ringifo, and if you look at probably not as good as we've expected, probably Tice and Suarez.
0: Well, I would I would disagree on Tice. Tice shouldn't have even been up this year. But Suarez, yeah. I mean, Suarez um, shouldn't have been up either, but at least there was more buzz behind him with what he had. But here's what I wanted to point out, because that's not worth arguing over. This is what I'm trying to get to is, have you guys noticed that very few of these guys, once they got to the Magic level this year, have improved?
4: Um, I'd say Suarez done worse. Sandoval, I mean, he just barely got caught up, so he's just hes not like in consideration yet. I mean, not really with Renjifo or King. I don't see if any of them really improved or not. Uh,
0: well, I think Renjifo's bat has gotten better. You won't really see it yet. I think in terms of average, his contact has gotten better. I think post-July, his focus in the, in the infield has clearly gotten worse, but I think that could be understandable to a degree. But I'm talking in terms of overall development. I would make the argument that a real problem right now is development at the major league level. And I'm actually taken from somebody else I talked to because I didn't even realize it until he pointed that out to me. That if you're looking at development, these guys are moving through the system pretty fast. Tice came up to AAA this year, struggled in the first month, got together, comes up, and he's he's having a hard time. A lot of that's understandable. But the overall core these guys are moving through the system right and then they get to the major leagues and they're struggling they should struggle but you should see growth right can we argue that can we say that yeah so that's actually what my case would be that I don't think people are talking about what's going on at the major league level when they get up to where are we seeing growth when they get there like they're seeing growth they're moving through the system they're coming up pretty fast and then they get here and they're hitting walls they should hit some they should hit some wall but here's my question for you guys is, does it look weird to you that they're hitting a wall hard? Like Suarez came up and he struggled all summer. Have you seen improvement from him at all? Working with his major league pitching Never. instructor? Well, you should still see some of that, right?
4: I mean, I have, he's not even finishing like three or four innings. He's getting killed you know, early and then well, pulled early.
0: You see, the, and that's what I'm trying to say. I think that's a fair question to ask is what I'm, try, I'm trying to say and again we're not there in the clubhouse we're not talking with Doug White or Brad Ausmus or the other guys you have in the staff but and we're not seeing all the film work be, behind them and so on and so forth but that is what I would be more curious about right now is, is what's happening when they get to the majors uh, because think about it I mean again roll back all the film look how fast these guys are actually moving through Suarez was in high A this, high A last year he's in the majors most of this year what happened is it youth? Probably. But what about development? You want to see him improve a little bit, right? Has he improved a little bit? Don't think
4: so. Uh, someone like Tice I, I can agree with. Like, I, I've seen a little... I've seen improvement, for sure, for him. Like, I just I just think Suarez, I definitely haven't seen anything. I mean, Kane started out strong, but, you know, I didn't... I haven't... But he actually did... I mean, I know that, you know, the death of Skag's, like really affected Kenny, which is understandable, but just like the other few... Not really. I mean, again, with Suarez, well,
0: uh, not really. Well, we don't know. You have no idea how it affected these guys because they're not going to show everything depending on the personality, and that could be part of it as well. That could be part of a, a, a wall you hit. Canning showed, it, Canning showed it very clearly publicly, right? I mean, it was very mm-hmm. clear. But for all we know, Suarez is in his locker in the clubhouse bawling his eyes out. I mean, we don't know. We have no idea how this affected. That could be a reason why a wall has been hit. It could be an actual feel full developmental issue. It could be immaturity. I want that. I think I would like to know more about that. Is what I. That's kind of where I'm at. With Dice, um I remember this too. With Tice, he came up in, from AA and got in the AAA. He was having a hard time. Finally got the stroke right. And the idea was maybe we'll see him in September, but he's probably not ready yet. All of a sudden, we see him in, in July. And he was clearly not ready. And but there's a difference in terms of Tice and you know some of these guys who are probably gonna be up before him. I think I'm rambling now, so my overall point though is there are more questions about this angels organization right now. There I have other concerns, believe it or not, than the farm system. I think the farm system is going to be it's it's produced it's getting people moving it's moving them through a system they are going through i'm curious about what happens at the major league level that's what i want to know more about
2: well yeah just going off that like that's been my main issue is at the major league level because when we've been four years for losing seasons you know we want to see improvement not the team going backwards so that's where most of my frustration comes from not not necessarily the farm system i mean it's it's average You're, currently 21st i know it was higher before canning graduated and ranghefa and these guys but i would say that if you're guaranteeing playoffs in 2020 like most angels fans are then we need to actually look at what we're doing at the major league level instead of just focusing on the farm system
0: well i mean i'm going to counter one thing you said i actually disagree with the argument in the last 4 seasons if you haven't had a farm system to provide you depth around you when things bad things happen you're not going to win at the major league level. So you could talk about well, the last four seasons, they they haven't been winning. Well, the reason they're not winning at the major league level is because their minor league system sucked. You're rebuilding it, and I don't think people really understand that. I think you think well, I have we have Trout, we have Otani, we have all these guys, but when usually, and we saw it this year. Think of when pa- when Puelo was here and he came up, okay, and he was able to do very well you had guys this year who could fill in the gaps when when things went to crap in 2016, 2017, 2018 you didn't have that. You had guys um, who were non-contributors and could not fill in when somebody got hurt. And that's why they didn't win. That's why they weren't winning because you had a you had a talented you had talent at the top level, but you had nothing behind you. At least now you have something behind you to build off of. And that's why I think they're there. I I, I profusely, profusely disagree with the idea, well, see, they, 2015, 2016, 2017, they should have been winning. If you don't have anything behind you, you got nothing. You're not going to do it because the first injury you get, you're screwed. You have nothing to back you. Think about it. You have nothing to back you. But if, if Trout gets hurt in 2016, what happens to that team?
2: Well, gets sir, I mean, it's going to be a bad team regardless.
0: But think about it. What did you have behind you in 2016? Who was going to be up to the major level to do anything in 2016 for that team? For the minors? Who were um, you going to bring up? I mean, no one that can... Exactly, Mike. Really you had nobody. You had nobody. So how did Every team has injuries. Every, every team has... If you have no death behind you, you're not going to do anything. You're going to be what they were, a middling team... Eighty, 82 79-83, and they're not going to do anything more than that because you've got nothing else behind you. That was that was DePoto, that was Artie, because Artie went for the World Series, and then you had to count on Eppler to go fix that crap.
2: Right, but what you're arguing is, from a position player standpoint...
0: No, I'm arguing pitching too, what,
2: man. I'm arguing pitching. All right, well, if you look at pitching, then, couldn't you argue just as much that if we used... The combined money of Harvey Cahill, um, Allen, Kozart. How much is that combined? It's 20, a bit. Keep 20, That's almost forty million, right? Mhm. And then Patrick Corbin makes what annually? Twenty-five. So you could use instead of signing all those guys who do nothing, use a little more than half of that on Patrick Corbin. Would be would he be a better team?
0: Would you be a better team in the short term? Well, if you sign for six years, I think you you could for argue six that years long term as well. Okay, but you what good is signing Patrick Corbin for six years if you have red flags on him and you don't have him at the same level you have a Garrett Cole. You're talking about guys right now, Harvey, you're you're playing armchair quarterback, but you gotta remember those guys signed first. Harvey Allen all those guys signed after Corbin signed all those guys signed after Hap signed all those guys signed whatever that other person's name was they all signed first they all were in on those guys first that's a armchair quarterback argument because you're not actually you're not actually replacing anybody at this point that money was in their hands and they evaluated and said listen they are not worth this long term because of this reason because they had red flags on him They offered him, if you offered him four years, if you offered him $100 million, that's a lot of money. But if they weren't willing to go six years, they had a reason for it. And it wraps back around the original argument is even if you have half the league that weren't going to go after him, you still had 14 other teams in the league that did have the money and didn't go after him like that. Didn't make that offer that got him to Washington. The question they ask you is Why? The money wasn't. The money yeah, yeah. was there, Mike. The money was there. They spent that money afterwards when they did not get those guys. Why didn't they get them? How, what was their evaluation? It wasn't either or decision. It wasn't Matt Harvey, Cody Allen, and Trevor Cahill or Patrick Corbin. It was Patrick Corbin and these guys first. And when we didn't get them, then we well we had to put somebody in the staff. We got, well, so let's go get these guys and hope they can hold it over for a year. That's what it was. That's all it was.
2: Right, but and what you're saying is that even though only a couple teams were actually in on Corbin because a lot of teams had red flags on him and now you're going to have Garrett Cole who could very well win the Cy Young will have half the league in on him and now the Angels are bidding against what, 10 other teams? And I mean you take your chances but at the end of the day I just I'm not going to buy that we're going to go out there and give him seven years, 200-plus million, and I'll believe it when I see it. But, you know, I just, based on what's, what I've actually been seeing from Epler, I don't think it's actually going to happen we get Garrett Cole.
0: Well, you've seen it from Epler because he went out there and paid big money to a couple of different players this far. And he's the guy that extended Simmons. He's the guy who went and extended Epton. He's willing to spend money. You've well, seen him on spend money. Offense. It's on the offense? Does that really matter? You're spending money. That's the whole point in the end. How do you evaluate the team at that point? At that point in time, they needed what? They needed somebody in the in the lineup. That's what they felt they needed to, in order to be at least competitive. Simmons has been worth uh, the money, right? Has Simmons been worth the money overall? Overall, yeah. Okay. I I, th- I thought Simmons got his contract from
4: Atlanta. Like Epler didn't give it to him. I thought no, they extended him.
0: him. They extended him. When he got here. They gave him the long term, the seven year. That was that was Epler. That was one of the first things he did. People forget that part. That was one of the first be, things he
2: orchestrated. And he's going to be doing extension soon. So now you have to ask yourself, do you give Simmons another long-term deal, or do you say you have Will Wilson and Jeremiah Jackson ready and look to move Simmons or just let him walk and then use that money on starting pitching?
0: I Well, I don't think those guys will be ready. I think it's going to be the guys you have up there now, Renhefo Fletcher, some of those guys filtering up. Jackson's a couple years away. They got to fix his swing. Wilson's going to move through fast, but I, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question in terms of what you're going to do with him. But I don't think they resign him long term because he is starting to come back now to the pack. I, I don't. I honestly don't know what they're going to do. I think they're probably going to let him go. But I'm looking at going back to Corbin. Because my one of the things you've talked about is you have these high expectations. Like you believe the Angels should be an every year contender. You believe they should be constantly going for the best, right? Right.
2: Well, well yeah. I mean, the Angels are a big market team, I always touching sure. payroll. So it just seems like we're a big market team with a small market mentality. Oh,
0: well, I would disagree because they've been willing to spend the money, but they're not the Dodgers either. That's not. That's between between being a small market mentality and a large market mentality with limits because he doesn't have the money the Dodgers do. They have, He has money, so you have to be wise about it. So if you are looking for the best, if you're going to take your shot, and the shot you want to take is Garrett Cole, for example, because no matter how you pair him up, Corbin is is good, Cole's great. If you have red flags in him and you want to be on going for Cole, do you still go for Corbin knowing that you probably will not have the money to go get Cole, or do you take your shot?
2: Why? I... I agree that you prioritize Cole over Corbin. I do agree with that.
0: You're probably not getting both. Is what I'm trying to say. Like I I think honestly, honestly, if Cole isn't on the market this year and a couple other guys as backups, I think they go make that offer to Corbin. I really do. But they saw ahead to this year and said, "Well, you know what? I think I'd rather have Cole. I'd take a shot at him. I'm not as sold as Corbin. I'm gonna." I'm gonna. We'll, we'll throw in there. We'll go. We'll take a look at them, and then if it doesn't work out, then we still have Cole and you know, a couple of the other ones who aren't Cole, but they are still solid behind them. That's what I think they did. They they're going for the big fish. And if I'm wrong, I'll own it, dude. I'll say I was wrong. I believe they're going for the big fish.
2: All right. I'll just take a personal guess. I'm gonna say that we make an offer for Cole. Epler says we went hard for him. He ends up signing elsewhere and then once he takes his time making a decision while we wait everyone else is gone then we end up signing like Jason Vargas and Tanner Roark to one year deals and then Angels fans will defend Epler by saying well Epler went after Cole he couldn't force him to sign here he did what he could and now we have money freed up for 2021 that's what I think is going to happen if I'm wrong and kept, if Epler actually delivers and brings us Cole plus another starter then I'll apologize I'll come on And I'll say I was wrong about Epler. but in the meantime, this is what I think is going to happen. And like I said, if I'm wrong, I'll apologize and say I was wrong about Epler.
0: So we get embedded conversation here, and John is John's got to go. So, John, what are your? I mean, you've been (laughs) you've been quietly sitting in the back and just taking it all in. John, what are your thoughts so you can go? Nah,
3: I'm uh, good. I agree. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. <laughs> like you, like
0: I, you know, it was weird because John, you kind of been sitting back in the corner for a while. I don't know what's going on. I mean you haven't. And usually you'll you got something to so say. You'll pipe in. And what's your closing thought, John?
3: My closing thought is that I think that it's, that they're gonna they're gonna actively pursue a pitcher. I think it's highly likely that we're going to get Garrett Cole. I think they're bringing over uh, a catcher from uh, Houston. I think this is all part of the plan. We got we're gonna we're gonna get two free agent pitchers, and that was the plan all along. They're going big this summer, and if they don't, then I will be
4: apologizing all next season and all off season.
0: All right, Tyler.
4: Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, like I said, what Mike said that if uh, you know we get Cole, I will you know be the first person to celebrate it and you know apologize to Uplift for delivery. But until then, you know. I don't see the optimism a lot of people see. You know, I'm, you know, I'm gonna hope we do, but just I just I'm not going to set myself up, you know, to believing he's going to come here and you know be let down.
0: All right, so we'll see where we stand at the end of the season. Well, end the off season, I guess we'll have to revisit this come January. We'll see who's wrong. Hopefully, I'm not wrong on my own darn show. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for coming. It is time for us to roll. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
4: All Thanks, right. guys. All right.
0: Thank you. All right, John. It's been a long night. It's been uh, some pretty deep conversation here. We'll probably have to delay the podcast one night to, to clean up a few things in there to make it easier for people to listen to. But can you let folks know what your final thoughts overall of the conversation?
3: The conversation we had with them? I, I, I pretty remain steady. I think that this is the season is heading towards a plan. A plan. We've got lots of money to spend. We got pitching. We got pitching out there to to buy, and so I think this whole season has just been a holding pattern, as rebuilding on the fly, as Billy Epler said. And I think this off season is going to be a big off season for us. And I'm repeating it again. I already said it on the podcast today. If it isn't, I'm going to be right along with, with those boys.
0: Yeah, and I think that you'd have to be because at this point, it's pretty clear they've built to a degree. They've built to a large degree, and if you don't follow through with it and make some moves as offices, and you're basically sentencing your returning players to a similar fate for next year I mean, because that pitching staff is not going to develop. What they have right now is not going to develop that quickly over the course of the, of the winter. So you're you're sentencing these guys to another year like this. I don't think the fan base is going to tolerate it. I don't think, I don't think Ari Moreno will even tolerate it. I think heads will roll. So that's my view of it, and that's how we're going to end the night. Poor John, man. John got John just sat back after a while and listened. <laughs> Just sat back and listened, had a had a beer or something. Here we go, sponsorship. We are looking for sponsors. Reach out to us at talkinghills@gmail.com if you like what we're doing. Help us keep the lights on here. You can also leave a voicemail at 657-666-5453. And, of course, you could find us on Twitter at Talkin' Halos. Also, on Facebook, we have a Facebook group called the Talkin' Halos Group. You could find Mr. John, Jay's Crane John. I gotta get, you guys got to follow John on Twitter. He is hilarious, especially when he goes to games and sends all these crazy pictures out. You got to follow John. You can follow me on Twitter at DC Apollo. And for John and the entire team, Mr. Derek C. Paul saying, Have a great one. We're out of here.
3: can you get this type of drama
0: where else does history hang from the rafters jaylen proud throws it down. where else is your own city home to your biggest rival the
1: battle of la is real people and 30 feet is still in range hurry
4: where else can a city this loud be this slept on where else is history still in the making oh my goodness. where else the nba only here season begins december 22nd on abc espn tnt and nba tv